I'm going to read from Genesis chapter 26, beginning at verse 1. Now, there was a famine in the land, besides the previous famine in Abraham's time. And Isaac went to Abimelech, king of the Philistines, in Gerar. The Lord appeared to Isaac and said, Do not go down to Egypt. Live in the land where I tell you to live. Stay in this land for a while, and I will be with you and will bless you. For to you and your descendants I will give all these lands and will confirm the oath I swore to your father Abraham. I will make your descendants as numerous as the stars in the sky and will give them all these lands, and through your offspring all nations on earth will be blessed because Abraham obeyed me and did everything I required of him keeping my commands, my decrees, and my instructions. So Isaac stayed in Gerar. When the men of that place asked him about his wife, he said, she is my sister, because he was afraid to say, she is my wife. He thought, the men of this place might kill me on account of Rebekah, because she is beautiful. When Isaac had been there a long time, Abimelech, king of the Philistines, looked down from a window and saw Isaac caressing his wife, Rebekah. So Abimelech summoned Isaac and said, She is really your wife. Why did you say she is my sister? Isaac answered him, Because I thought I might lose my life on account of her. Then Abimelech said, What is this you have done to us? One of the men might well have slept with your wife, and you would have brought guilt upon us. So Abimelech gave orders to all the people. Anyone who harms this man or his wife shall surely be put to death. Isaac planted crops in the land, and the same year reaped a hundredfold, because the Lord blessed him. The man became rich. And his wealth continued to grow until he became very wealthy. He had so many flocks and herds and servants that the Philistines envied him. So all the wells in sorry, all the wells that his father's servants had dug in the time of his father Abraham, the Philistines stopped up, filling them with earth. Then Abimelech said to Isaac, Move away from us, you have become too powerful for us. So Isaac moved away from there and encamped in the valley of Gerar, where he settled. Isaac reopened the wells that had been dug in the time of his father Abraham, which the Philistines had stopped up after Abraham died, and he gave them the same names his father had given them. Isaac's servants dug in the valley and discovered a well of fresh water there. But the herders of Gerar quarreled with those of Isaac and said, "'This water is ours!' So he named the well Isek, because they disputed with him. Then they dug another well, but they quarreled over that one also. So he named it Citric. He moved on from there and dug another well, and no one quarreled over it. He named it Rehoboth, saying, Now the Lord has given us room, and we will flourish in the land. From there he went up to Beersheba, that night the Lord appeared to him and said, I am the God of your father Abraham. Do not be afraid, for I am with you. 
I will bless you and will increase your number, the number of your descendants, for the sake of my servant Abraham. Isaac built an altar there and called on the name of the Lord. There he pitched his tent, and there his servants dug a well. This is the word of the Lord. Father God, we thank you for your word. We thank you that you have chosen to reveal yourself to us and that as we read your word now, we get to know you, we get to know what you are like, we get to know your plans for this world. Lord, give us understanding. Lord, help us to see just how good it is that you have chosen to bless us most clearly in the Lord Jesus Christ. Help us see how good and gracious our God is. And with that knowledge, would you move us to trust you, we ask in Jesus' name. Amen. This Thursday that's just gone was the 2nd of February, which might not mean much, but if you remember the 1993 film starring Bill Murray, it was Groundhog Day. And there's people in America who still celebrate the original Groundhog tradition, I don't understand it, but in recent years, Groundhog Day has actually become more and more about the idea of a day that keeps repeating itself. It's kind of got this little cult following. In fact, I read a news article this week that said, here's what happened when I watched Groundhog Day every day for a year, which tells me that it was a really slow news week and some people have way too much time on their hands. But as we show a very slight, faint, passing interest in this day, this idea of, a one, of one man's life on repeat, it seemed only fitting that today we come to Genesis chapter 26, where we see Isaac living an exact repeat of the life of his father, Abraham. You see, as I read through Genesis chapter 26, and, and if we'd been reading from the very beginning of Genesis, you would get to this chapter and you can't help get the feeling that I've heard all this before. It all sounds familiar, and that's because it is. Almost every single detail in the chapter we just read has already happened to Abraham. Let me show you what I mean. Genesis 26 begins with Isaac facing a famine, just like Abraham did in Genesis 12. Just like Abraham did, Isaac heads toward Egypt to find food. In the midst of that famine, God appears to Isaac and promises to bless him, just like he did to Abraham. And so Isaac stays in the Philistine city of Gerar, the very same place that Abraham settled in Genesis 20. While living there, Isaac gets scared about what the people there are going to do to him because of his gorgeous wife. And so, just like Abraham, Isaac lies and says, she is my sister. Just like Abraham, Isaac, Isaac's lie is exposed by a Philistine king named Abimelech. A king who, just like Abraham, Isaac eventually makes a treaty with. And despite his corruption, Isaac is blessed by God with great wealth, just like Abraham. 
And just as it did for Abraham, that wealth makes his neighbours jealous. And so just like Abraham, Isaac is forced to move away. But just like Abraham, Isaac is again reassured by God, by God again confirming his promises. You see the repetition, don't you? Genesis 26 is written to make one thing very clear. Isaac is just like Abraham. And in fact, their stories are so similar that some boffins in universities who study ancient texts just for fun, they actually think Genesis 26 is a mistake. They look at this and think, oh, the author's confused. He's he's mixed up his characters. He's he's repeated himself and he didn't realise. But if you have a look at verse 1, you'll see the author is not confused. The author is being very precise. He begins by telling us that there was a famine in the land, but before we have time to interrupt and say, oh, you already mentioned that, he clarifies, this is another famine. This is a famine beside the famine that Abraham experienced. It's it's another famine. The author is fully aware that he's repeating himself. This is no mistake. It's not some editorial error. But nor is it just a freakish coincidence. Because besides the author who's reporting this story to us, there is also another author who's scripting this story. Behind these events is a God who is very deliberately causing Isaac to experience all the same things that his father Abraham did. Remember, God is the sovereign author of all creation. He controls the famine that afflicts Isaac. He causes Isaac's crops to yield a hundredfold and make him rich. He even causes Isaac's neighbours to hate him and drive him away, just like he did for Abraham. And so the big question for us this morning is why? Why does God do this? Why does God make Isaac relive his father's life? Why does he allow Isaac to face the same challenges? Why does he allow Isaac to make the same mistakes? Why does he give to Isaac the same promises? Well, friends, God does this to show Isaac and to show us that the God of Abraham is our God too. And he does it to show that you can trust him. This is what this whole story is about. It is God inviting Isaac and in turn inviting us to trust him. And so this morning we're going to see two reasons why we can trust God from the life of Isaac. We're going to see first we can trust God because he meets us in our misery. And secondly, we can trust God because he is faithful in our failures. Just two points. Our first point, God meets us in our misery. We've already seen Isaac's particular difficulty, haven't we? There's a famine in the land, verse 1. Now, for people like us who freak out when Coles runs out of fresh meat, we need to stretch our imaginations a little bit here because this famine is not just a shortage of the kind of food that Isaac likes. Oh, man, they've run out of my favourite brand of bread. No, 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 this is a famine. There's a shortage of enough food to live. And it's in an agricultural society, this is not 
there's no hope of this changing anytime soon. If the crops aren't growing, well, you can't just wait a day. You can't just wait for the next truck to arrive. Isaac's options are move or die. And so Isaac moves. Now, this is obviously a challenge to Isaac physically, but it's also a challenge to Isaac's faith. Because from a young age, Isaac has learned that God is the one who provides. Do you remember the story when Isaac's climbing the mountain with his dad to make a sacrifice and he asks his dad, where's the lamb for the sacrifice? And what does Abraham say? You're the lamb? No, no, he says God himself will provide. From his youth, Isaac has learned God is the one who provides. God is the one who blesses. God is the one who has promised to bless Abraham. And he's promised to bless Abraham's descendants. And Isaac is the descendant of Abraham. And so here's Isaac, the heir of God's promises, starving to death. What is God doing? Well, in verse 2, God meets Isaac in his misery. He appears to him and he says, Do not go down to Egypt. Live in the land where I tell you to live. Stay in this land for a while and I will be with you and will bless you. Now, we weren't actually told, but God's words to Isaac lead us to assume that Isaac was planning on heading down to Egypt to find food, just like Abraham did when he experienced a famine. But God says, don't go to Egypt. No, no, go where I tell you, trust me, and I will bless you. Now, I don't know about you, but when I see Isaac starving to death, and when I see God showing up to help him, I would have thought that God might have brought him some food. But do you see, he, he doesn't do that. The God, the God who made the whole world, the God who simply spoke and made beef and chicken and fish and trees that grow fruit, the God who appears face to face with a guy facing starvation and he doesn't bring him a sandwich. You can imagine Isaac might have felt a little ripped off by this. I'm, God, I'm, I'm still hungry. But what does God do? He promises Isaac blessing. He doesn't give him food. Instead, he says, I'll give you myself. He says, I will be with you. I will bless you. And then he goes on to repeat the same promises that he made to Abraham. He says, not only will I be with you, not only will I be your God, but just like I promised Abraham, I will make your descendants as numerous as the stars in the sky. And I will give your descendants this land. And I will bless all nations through your family. God meets Isaac in his misery, but he doesn't take away his struggle. Isaac still has to live with this famine, but God offers Isaac himself and he invites Isaac to trust him. And friends, what we need to see this morning is that this is how God meets us in our difficulties today. 
You see, when you and I go to God with our difficulties, when we lose our job, when we're stressed about money, when someone we love is sick, when someone is mistreating us, whatever it is, we go to God and we want Him to fix our problems, don't we? I think that's what we're doing when we pray to Him. We're saying, can you take it away? Solve it. I don't want to deal with that. When we face famine, we want God to bring us a sandwich. And sometimes He does, sometimes He doesn't. But do you see what He consistently offers you? Do you know what He promises to give you? He promises to give you the very thing He promised Isaac. He promises to give us Himself. In the midst of our misery, God comes to us and says, I will be with you. And friends, thousands of years later, God fulfilled this promise to Isaac by sending one of his descendants to bless all the nations of the earth. And Jesus is the fullest expression of God being with us. He is Emmanuel. We celebrated that at Christmas. He is God with us. And Jesus himself promised us that he would never leave us, never forsake us. He says, surely I am with you always to the very end of the age. Friends, you see, God answers our prayers for help with our small needs by showing us how he has perfectly dealt with our biggest need. We go to God like a child crying to their parents, saying, I'm hungry, I'm thirsty, I'm lonely, I'm sad, I'm scared. And God doesn't ignore those requests. He cares about your difficulties. But just like the parent, his love is bigger than our difficulties. And he offers us himself. He says to us, I will be with you in your difficulty." And he invites us to trust him. God met Isaac in his difficulty in the midst of famine. He calls on Isaac to trust him. He calls on Isaac to trust him just like Abraham did. He says, don't go down to Egypt. Stay in this land and I will be with you. He says he will do for Isaac all that he promised Abraham. And he says he'll do it all because, in verse 5, because Abraham obeyed me and did everything I required of him, keeping my commands, my decrees, and my instructions. You see, God is blessing Isaac on account of what Abraham has done. He's saying, I'm, I'm being faithful because I've made a promise to him. Now, it's interesting here that the phrase that my commands, my decrees, my instructions, it's the exact way that God refers to the law that he gives to Moses at Mount Sinai hundreds of years later. Abraham didn't have God's laws. He doesn't have the Ten Commandments. They are still a long way in the future. He doesn't have the ceremonial law. But God still says of Abraham that he kept my law. Which just confirms that keeping God's law was was never about keeping all the rules in the book. Keeping the law, that's what the Pharisees did in Jesus' time, right? They they had a list of rules and they, they could kind of tick them off. But no, no, keeping God's law is doing what Abraham did, trusting God. 
trusting that his ways are good. Trusting that despite my circumstances, despite what I see around me, I can know that he is looking out for me. In verse 6, we see Isaac trusting God like this. God invites Isaac to trust him. He says, stay in the land. And verse 6, Isaac stayed in Gerar, just as God had said. But then the very next verse, Isaac's trusting God just gets thrown out the window. Have a look, verse 7. In the face of famine, he was bold. He trusted God to provide. But when the men of Gerar ask him about his wife, Isaac just takes a move out of his dad's playbook. Wife? No, 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 she's my sister. He's scared of what they'll do to him. And clearly Isaac didn't learn from Abraham's mistake because Abraham tried this one, not once but twice, and both times it blew up in his face. Surprise, surprise, that's exactly what happens to Isaac here. Like a teacher in a high school playground, Abimelech busts Isaac and Rebekah being a little too friendly and the cat's out of the bag. Verse 9, Abimelech summons Isaac and he says, she is really your wife. Why did you say she is my sister? It's a good question. Isaac answers, because I thought I might lose my life on account of her. Abimelech says, what is this you have done to us? One of the men might well have slept with your wife and you would have brought guilt upon us. Now, this is quite striking. It's striking because it's very similar to what happened to Abraham, but it's striking because here we have Isaac, who's the son of the great patriarch, he's the heir to God's promises, and he's being schooled in morality by a foreign king who doesn't know God. That's not how it's supposed to be, is it? It should be Isaac teaching the king how to, how to trust God, how to obey God, how to be righteous. But instead, no, no, this foreign king is, is rebuking Isaac. And sometimes God's people need that, don't they? There's numerous points in the New Testament where God uses the Gentiles to shame the Jews. Even recently in our own country, God used a secular government to expose the sins of churches with the Royal Commission into institutional child abuse. It was shocking, it was awful. It's a pretty low day when God's people need to learn righteousness from unbelievers. But that's exactly what happens to Isaac. And it forces the question, doesn't it? It forces the question, does Isaac deserve God's blessing? To which the answer is clearly no, he doesn't. Isaac, in an instant, his trust is eroded and he, he sins to protect himself. But what does God do? He blesses him anyway. Verse 12, Isaac plants crops in the land and the same year reaped a hundredfold because the Lord blessed him. And he doesn't bless him just a little bit. Keep reading. This man became rich and his wealth continued to grow until he became very wealthy. In fact, God was so generous to this unfaithful servant that Isaac became so wealthy that it started to cause problems. His neighbours become jealous. 
In verse 15, we learn that his neighbours start sabotaging Isaac by filling in the wells where he lives. In verse 16, the king comes to Isaac and asks him to leave. You're too powerful. Get out of here. But even as Isaac and his family move on, the trouble continues. Two times, they, they redig a well, they settle, and then the locals come and fight about it and say, that's our water, and force Isaac and his family to move on further. Just when you think God's given up on Isaac, just when you think, oh, maybe God is punishing Isaac, God comes to him again, and in his misery, God again provides assurance. Have a look at verse 24. He says, That night the Lord appeared to him and said, I am the God of your father Abraham. Do not be afraid, for I am with you. I will bless you. I will increase the number of your descendants for the sake of my servant Abraham. Does Isaac deserve God's blessing? No way. Just like Abraham, Isaac is a recipient of undeserved favour. Just like Abraham, Isaac continues to stuff up. Isaac's lie to the people of Gerar is by no means the last time Isaac is going to stuff up. Just like he did for Abraham, God remains faithful to Isaac even in his failure. And just like God did for Abraham and for Isaac, God is faithful to you in your failings too. Friends, the God of Abraham and Isaac is the same God who has chosen to bless you with every spiritual blessing in Jesus Christ. He is the one who, in the misery of your sin, came to meet you with his promises. He's the one who says to you, I will be with you. I will bless you. And that God who has promised to be with you is a God who promises to remain faithful to you even when you fail. He is the one that at just the right time, while you were still in your sin, sent his son to redeem you. And he didn't do that because you were good enough. He didn't do that because he knew, they'll keep trusting me. No, he did that despite your fear, despite your failings, despite your frequent lack of faith. He chooses to remain faithful to you and blesses you with what Jesus deserves. He does it on account of him. He blesses you with his promises. He blesses you with his presence. And so the message for us this morning is that we can trust that God. In our misery, in the trials we face, in the difficulties that we face day after day, we can take hold of his precious promises. In our failings, we can know that our position in God's family is not dependent on our performance or our obedience, but on Him. Friends, we may not face the same challenges and difficulties that Abraham and Isaac faced, but day after day, we will be challenged in similar ways. Day after day, 
we will taste the difficulties of this life. Day after day, we will bear the cost of failing to trust God and to listen to his word. Day after day, we can be reminded of the God who is always trustworthy, always faithful to those that he has committed himself to. And so, friends, the only question that remains is, will you trust him? 